Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But it is the Word of God, and therefore we read it. And, and I pray that this morning, um, we're just going to look at the first four verses this morning, that you would be challenged today, that your hearts would be challenged. And so let's just read the first four verses of it, because that's all we're going to get through today. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in the New Testament book of Jude. Jude was a blood relative of Jesus, but he considered himself only as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The fact that he wanted himself to be known this way, instead of introducing himself as Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us something of the humility of Jude and the relative unimportance of being connected to Jesus by human relationships. This tells us that our spiritual relationship with Jesus is far more important than any human relationship we could have. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude. It's a little letter. I like to call this the spooky little letter next to Revelation. I call it spooky because it's short and it's... It's kind of dark, but it, it, there's a reason for it, uh, meaning the, 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 the concepts in it, the things that are contained within it, aren't exactly the bright and cheerful things. They're really warnings of apostasy, warnings of uh, things of that nature, of judgment coming. And these are things that are never easy to digest and never easy to, to hear and to take in. But it is the Word of God, and therefore we read it, and, and I pray that this morning, uh, we're just going to look at the first four verses this morning, that you would be challenged today, that your hearts would be challenged. And so let's just read the first four verses of it, because that's all we're going to get through today. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And here's the reason. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And the reason for that is verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation 
ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you and we'd ask that, Lord, you would help us to understand and and to take in all the things that you have for us this morning, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your word, Father, and we delight in reading it and we delight in uh, tearing it apart and looking at it. So have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This little epistle that we have before us, an epistle is really just a letter. I like the word epistle because it sounds kind of highfalutant. But but I really don't like highfalutin words, to be honest with you. But it's a letter. It's in fact it's one of the fourth the fourth shortest book in the entire New Testament. It stands behind Philemon and Second John and Third John. They're even shorter. So it's the fourth shortest book of the Bible. It's the last of the eight general epistles or letters that we have in the New Testament. The the, the first uh, uh, general letter was the book of Hebrews. It's a letter. It's a letter to the to the Hebrews. And so that was the first general letter or epistle. And finally, this, this morning, we're going to be looking at Jude, which is the final of these last epistles, these general epistles. And we believe that it was written sometime before the destruction of Jerusalem because in the letter there is no mention of it at all that, that, the, 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 that Jerusalem had been destroyed by Titus Vespasian in 70 A.D. You know that that happened. And it was completely destroyed. And the Jews were scattered about the Roman Empire and Asia Minor and all over the world. They were dispersed. And the date of this letter, um, we know that it is sometime um, between 68 and 70 A.D. And, and this letter actually came after Peter's letters because Peter's letters came before the, the book of Jude or this letter. Because we know that because in Jude, in the 16th verse, Jude actually quotes from Peter's second epistle. In fact, if you look down with me uh, at verse 18, actually verse 16, Jude says, These are grumblers, and we're going to be getting into the context over the next couple of weeks in this, but he says, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. Speaking of these apostates, these false teachers, they, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But notice, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the verse, 18, put a star by this. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. And here, in this verse specifically, Jude was quoting from the Apostle Peter in, in Peter's second letter, chapter 3, verse 3 specifically. And let me just read it to you. You don't have to go there. Peter said this. He said, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. And so we, we see that um, Jude now is very uh, well acquainted with Peter, the apostle, even quotes from his letter. And this letter was written actually during a time of great upheaval because we know that when Paul's letters uh, were finished, when Paul uh, was executed, he was executed under Nero. Caesar Nero um, beheaded Paul in Rome and around uh, 68 uh, A.D., and it would only be uh, about a year, actually, and there'd be three other Roman emperors after, after Nero. There'd be three other Roman emperors that would pass from the scene within months. It was a very quick, there was a lot of upheaval in, uh, in the Roman Empire at that time until finally uh, Vespasian, Titus Vespasian, uh, becomes a Roman emperor, and he is the one who actually came against Jerusalem 
uh, destroyed it and was the Roman emperor for about 10 years. And so during this time of this letter, there was a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of persecution at this time. And when we look at this letter, we see that it's from Jude. And when you think of Jude... Uh, or, or Judah, uh, or Judas, or his name is Yehuda, if you were to say it in the Hebrew, these are all one and the same. So whenever you see Jude, Judas, Judah, or Yehuda, they all mean the same thing. And in the Bible, there's eight different people who are named Judah or Judas. And the, the name was popular for a season until Judas Iscariot. Judas was a very popular name up until that point. And the reason being is because there was a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus. He was a man who led a revolt. Um, if you notice in the, in the, in the Bible, there's two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in between, there's about a 400 year span where there's really nothing recorded. Well, Judas Maccabeus fit right into that time frame between the Testaments. And it was when Greece had come against, uh, they were the, the dominant world power at that time, and Antiochus Epiphanes IV, you remember, slaughtered a pig on the altar in the temple. And it was as a result of those things, and around that time period, that Judas Maccabeus led a revolt. And it was a successful revolt, actually. They did pretty well. But they, um, so he was a very celebrated man and everybody would name their child after Judas Maccabeus. But it wasn't until Judas Iscariot that people stopped calling their kids Jude. They're just like, let's think of what to name our baby. Uh, let's call him Michael. Anything but Jude or Judas, right? And so, but Jude is the author of this letter. And, and this is a big deal because there's a lot of, uh, uh, scholars in, in the world, uh, biblical scholars, some that know the, that know Jesus, others that don't, and, and there can be speculation on this, but I think it's good for us to take a look at this. Um, let me just read some things to you. We're going to go to a few places today, but let me just read a few to you. Uh, the first one is in John 7, uh, the first five verses, because we know that Jude was a brother of Jesus. He was a brother or half-brother of Jesus, actually. And before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, his brothers did not believe in him. They thought he was a madman. And so they didn't believe in him until after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. It was then that they finally, it, it all clicked. And they're like, you know what? All the prophecies that the Bible is told about in the Old Testament, these things have come to pass. We have witnessed them with our own eyes this brother of ours, our half-brother, the firstborn from Mary, he is who he said he was. Almighty God in the human flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that what John says in John 1.14? He became flesh. And so Jude is a half-brother. In fact, in, Ju- in John chapter 7, it says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand, and his brothers, notice, his brothers said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing, for no one does anything in secret while he seeks seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. That's written in the scripture. Jesus had brothers. He had sisters too. He had sisters. But notice, even in Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, after the ascension, what does it say? 
Because this is when Jesus' half-brothers, they came to faith in him. It says, Then the disciples returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into an upper room where they were staying. And Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, and he lists the other apostles. But then in verse 14 it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. His brothers. He had brothers. Did Jesus have brothers and sisters? Yes, he did. Don't let anybody take that away from you. And there, there's a reason I say that, and I'll get to that shortly. So, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said this. He says, Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Peter himself? So Peter had a wife, but the brothers of the Lord, there's another scripture. Write these things down because there's going to come a point where somebody's going to try and, and tell you that, 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 that Mary only had one. But the Bible clearly says the opposite. And these aren't just cousins. These aren't just relatives. They are brothers. They're half-brothers because after the virgin birth of Mary, we know that Mary and Joseph continued to have children. They continued to have children. And see, there's a doctrine in the Roman Catholic Church, and I don't mean to bash Catholics here. I'm not bashing Catholics, but I'm going to bash their doctrine for a moment because the people God loves, but the doctrine is leading people astray. Some of the doctrine, a chunk of the doctrine. And here's one of them. They claim the, the perpetual virginity of Mary, saying that when she, before she was, um, before she had Jesus, she was a virgin. While she had Jesus, she was a virgin. And after she had Jesus, she was a virgin perpetually. But that's not what the Bible says. I agree with one part of that, that before and during, of course, she was a virgin, but not after. Afterwards, she and Joseph had continued to have children. They continued to have children. And here are some of the scriptures. Write these down because someone's going to ask you and you need to know them. I'm going to give you all of them. And I'm just going to read a couple of them and give you the reference to a couple of them just for the sake of time. But in Mark chapter 3, verse 31, notice what it says. While Jesus was teaching in Galilee, it says in Mark chapter 3, 31, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. That was one of those situations in Jesus' ministry where they thought he was losing his mind. And so his mother and his brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to him because they thought that he was just beside himself when he was actually doing the will of God. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Write this down. Let me read it to you. Mark 6, 1 through 3. Then Jesus went out from there and he came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And notice verse 3, here it is. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James? Remember when we first started a year and a half ago? We started in the book of James and you heard the same spiel before. And I'm giving it to you again because it's important. It's important to know. Notice. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joses, Judah, or Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. So now we see there's four other people, and at least two sisters that he has, 
Because it's, it's plural, isn't it? Sisters. It's not one, it's two, maybe three. Mary and Joseph had many kids afterwards, and Judah is mentioned right here in that verse, and that is the author of this letter. Write down this verse too, we're not going to go through it, but Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 57, it's the parallel passage along with what I just read to you. And it gives their names. It gives their names. And see, I love how the Holy Spirit saw fit to make sure that every doctrine that would come, every false doctrine that would come against the Word of God has been thought of in advance. And God made sure he put the names of those people in there because he knew that that doctrine would come. And why is that such a big deal anyway? Well, if you think that Mary's perfect, then there's a, there's a portion of the church that believes that she is co-redeemer with Jesus and that she's a perpetual virgin, that she's pure and holy and without spot, without blemish, like her son, Jesus. There's no competition between Jesus, the Son of God, and Mary. Mary's a blessed woman, and if she could speak and come down from heaven and stand here, she'd be rebuking a lot of people for worshiping her, for adoring her, for putting her on an altar that she that does not belong to her. She, the last recorded words in Scripture are what? It's in John chapter 3. She said, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. It was at a wedding in Cana, remember? The very last thing she said was, whatever he says, do it. I think that kind of ends it for me. Does it end it for you? She's a blessed woman, but she needed to be saved just like every other human being, just like you and I. Just like you and I. But he is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. And also, when we think about James, and we think about Jude, we think about John the Baptist... All of these are relatives of Jesus. Certainly James and Jude are half-brothers. John the Baptist was a, a cousin of Jesus. Think about the what great evidence that is. If you were going to stand before the court of law, these three guys would stand up on a, on a, on a, on a thing like this and say, Your Honor, I believe that my brother, my half-brother, is who he said he was. I've never seen him sin, because understand this. These men who grew up with Jesus, at any time, if they saw him do anything that was sinful, if they saw him doing strange things, disobeying Mary and Joseph and doing his own thing, do you understand they would have every right to say, This man's a phony. I grew up with him. I saw him with the spitballs and the straw at church in the synagogue. He hit the rabbi right between the eye with that thing. (laughs) Joshua, sit down. Because that was his name, Joshua. That's what his mother and father called him. Jehovah Shua, God's salvation. But no, that didn't happen. The eureka moment came after the resurrection, after the ascension, and they're standing there, and they're putting the pieces together. They're looking back in the scriptures. Jude, James, all of them, they're, they're looking at this, and his other two brothers, they're, they're looking at these things, and they're going, oh my goodness. What the prophets have said for hundreds of years has come to pass in our time. And they bowed their knee. They bowed their knee. Have you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, he's the greatest master you'll ever have. He's not a taskmaster. He's not interested so much in what you do for him. He wants you. He wants you. He loves you. He wants to have the relationship with you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he proved it on the cross. He stretched out his hands. He says, I love you this much. And if I could put my arms around back, but physical bones don't allow that, I would do it. But that's how much I love you. 
Do you know you're loved by God this morning? And especially you, Christian, who have been serving and, 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 and with the Lord for many years. Do you find yourself after many years kind of slipping into this thing where you're like, you know what, things are just kind of on cruise control, they're kind of on autopilot, and you find yourself just kind of coasting? Do you know that he still loves you, even though you don't feel very holy, even though you don't feel like you're really doing anything for him? Do you know that he loves you right now where you're at? He doesn't expect you to do things to to please him. He's already pleased with you. And see, there's where our worship comes in, because when we think about what he has done for us, what he's done for me, as a result of what he did, I mean, think about it. Eternity, I'm way off point, but I'm going with it. Uh, Think about what he's done for us. I mean, he saved me, saved you from an eternity in hell. Do you understand? Hell's a real place. People don't like to talk about hell. Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else, and it is a real place. But you must come to God on his terms. And, and are his terms so hard? Is it so difficult? We have to deny ourselves and believe everything he said. Is it that hard? The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you will be saved, that he died on the cross for you. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you're born again. But don't stop there. You keep digging. You keep praying. You keep getting in the fellowship and grow in this wonderful relationship that God has. And see, if you've been coasting and you've been getting lazy and you're no longer reading your Bible, you're not going to feel very encouraged. You're not going to feel really excited. But the message today is contend. Contend for the faith. Fight the good fight. Don't allow yourself to get into that place where you're just resting on your laurels, where you're resting on past victories, past things, maybe even past commitments that you've made to the Lord. Don't rest on any of that stuff. Rest, don't eat, rest in Christ, but act today in your heart. Don't put it off. If you're already a Christian, praise the Lord, but get in the battle. Get into your, into the Word. Get into fellowship. Get into serving Him. Get going. But first, set at his feet. (laughs) Set at his feet. He's not, again, he's not so much concerned about what you do for him. He's more concerned about what you allow him to do in you. Will you allow him to satiate every desire in your being? Everything. Have you given everything to him? Let me tell you, the closer we get to that point of full surrender, the greater and the more happy and fulfilled you will be as a human being. And that is the secret that very few people know. It's a secret that I'm learning, and I'm nowhere near there yet, but I'm getting there. I want to get there as soon as humanly possible, but that is the secret. It's denial of self and giving my life away, and I'll find that my life will be more fulfilled. And he's not going to send you off to the missionary field somewhere in the, in the, in Africa where you, where you hate to be, where you don't want to be. He knows you. He's got a plan for your life. Is he going to do something to make that you're going to hate? No, he's going to change your heart little by little, and then you're going to find yourself in the middle of his will, and you're going to feel like the most blessed person in the world. You're going to feel like, Lord, if I could pay you to do what I'm doing, I would do it, but I don't have to pay you. It's kind of the way I feel. I love doing what I get to do. If I had, if I had to, if I didn't have to live and, you know, and have a, you know, pay for bills and things like that, I'd do it for nothing. What a great vocation for all of us to be Christ ambassadors. And so the book of Jude, he gets into this idea of um, 
apostates and the war and the declaration of war against apostates and the outcome of apostates, denouncing them and defending against apostates. And let's just get right into first, the first verse. It's Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Jude. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.